Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey everyone, I'm your host Emily and welcome to Sideline Edit. Here I'll be curating and breaking down what's trending in the world of sports on and off the field. I'll leave you with just the right amount of information so that you can join in on any sports conversation and not feel totally lost. You'll know what the big game of the week was, what event to be on the lookout for next, what team is hot, who had the best game day fit, because trust me, the game day fashion is elite. And I'll also just be filling you in on who some of these main characters are so that you can get a better understanding of why I and so many other people out there are just so obsessed with the world of sports. And I always say, I truly think sports are the best reality TV out there. And so I'm excited for you to see that too. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, happy Monday and welcome back or welcome to another episode of Sideline Edit. I'm your host, Emily. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a very exciting episode because it is officially the first week, the first race week of the 2024 Formula One season. And I am so excited. And if you've never watched Formula One before, barely know what it is, that's okay. I got you. That's why I'm here. This is Formula One 101. We're going to go over it and get you ready and prepared for the 2024 season. And before I roll into the rest of the episode, I have a case for Formula One. A reason that, though it may feel intimidating to get into it, a case for why it's actually not that intimidating. Here's my case. Let me go through it for you. In Formula One, there are 10 teams. Each team has two drivers. So there are are only 20 athletes across all of the teams. And the nice thing about Formula One is that every single athlete is basically in the same game, if you will. It is one race. And granted, we have, you know, qualifying. And so there's that before the actual main event. But the main event, everyone's in it. And so it's not like football, baseball, hockey, any of the big four, where you have to watch multiple games and there's multiple games every week. With Formula One, there's one, and everybody's in it. And so it's a lot more attainable to get into it because you just have the one event, and it's not even every week. You just have this season, we have 24 races. Whereas think of the NBA, they play over 80 games, and that's just one team. When you think about it that way, 20 names to know, and you know the entire sport, You'll never know the entire sport in any of the other big four. And so as it might feel overwhelming, we actually have that on our side. 
And so, like I said in this episode, I am going to break down F1 really in regards to the season that is starting this week. This isn't so much of like a deep dive of all of F1. I'm just going to get you up to speed so that you can watch the race this weekend and have an idea of what's going on because this sport has a lot of history. I think the first actual F1 championship was in 1950. There is so much history to this sport, which I think is part of the fun of it. There's a lot of iconicness to this sport, but I'm just going to get you up to speed on this 2024 season. And one thing I feel like I just have to mention, if you've been like, why do all of a sudden people care about Formula One? Why does PacSun have Formula One gear and H&M? And like, where is this coming from? I know it's a huge like worldwide sport, but why do we care all of a sudden? Why are more people caring about F1? I think the number one thing we can look to is the Netflix series. And so there's the Netflix series, Drive to Survive. It's a docu-series that follows around all the teams, all the drivers. And now we're in the sixth season. And so 2023 Formula One season was the sixth season of Drive to Survive. And I like the Netflix series. I think it is an exciting way to get people into it. One thing I will note is that the first season is good. But they don't do a great job, I think, of explaining the sport. Honestly, listening to this will set you up in a good place. But if you're starting with season one, like the team names, the driver names, not a ton of them are going to be familiar to you. Maybe about like half of them. But I think in season two, they do a better job of actually explaining the sport. They have more like journalists come in and different people kind of explain like what's important and what's not. I think season one kind of just shows the excitement to like get you into it. And then season two really explains it more. But even with that, as you go on, you can tell now it's really made for people who fall who follow the sport. It's not super introductory. They're expecting you to have a certain level of understanding. And so I think this episode of Sideline Edit will set you up in a good spot to then watch the Netflix series and really like it and get into more of the stories behind the people that make this sport so interesting, as well as some behind the scenes of actual races. And so I want to make this as concise, easy as possible. And so I'm going to go team by team and tell you who the main characters are and so who the two drivers are. And then some of the phrases and titles I'm going to be throwing around. The main one other than the racers or the drivers is the team principal. And this is essentially like the head coach for the Formula One teams. And so like any sports team, these are huge multi-million dollar companies. And so there are a decent amount of people in charge. And so you might have a CEO, you might have a president, and then also a principal. And maybe that principal is also a CEO. But the main people I'm going to be covering are the team principal and then the two drivers. And so I'm going to go through these teams, starting with who had the most points last season to who had the least. And the nice thing about going into this season is that 
all the drivers are the same that ended last season. And so we did have in the season switch ups last year. And this season, we're starting with the same people from last season. And we are coming up upon a silly season. And so that means for the 2025 season, there are a lot of drivers whose contracts are up. Next season, this is not going to be the case. We already know some people who will be moving around. And so this is an unusual fact that all the drivers are the same, but also helpful now explaining going into this season, but also exciting because we will not be in the same situation next season. And so one thing I should clarify about first is I said that I'm going through these from the top point teams to the bottom point teams. Every race, you can earn points. And basically, every single race is a round towards a championship. And so with each race, they are gaining points to go towards an overall total for who will be the champion. In F1, there are two championships that are going on at the same time. And the points count for both of those championships. And so you have the Constructors Championship, which that's the order I'm going to be following when I go through the teams. And so that's basically the team championship. And so that is both of your driver's points put together. And I don't want to say that's the more important championship because I would say in like pop culture, people care more about the second one, which is the driver's championship. So the individual driver who is in the top place. And so you might have the top driver, the driver champion, but you might not have the constructor's championship. And so it doesn't always go hand in hand because in theory, you could have one of your drivers score all of your points and then another driver score zero points. Every race, you can be gaining points towards these championships. And the higher you finish in the race, the more points you get. But only the top 10 get points. And so if you finish 11th, you get no points for your team. And obviously, number one gets more points than number 10. So the first team I'm going to be covering is Red Bull Racing. And so, yeah, Red Bull, the energy drink. That is the team. And Honestly, another episode should be just a case study in Red Bull itself because these energy drinks are just marketing machines and how they've gotten into the X Games, Formula One, like all these places. It is just so unique how the Red Bull brand can stand on its own outside of an energy drink. An energy drink. Do you remember when Red Bull came around? I mean... It's honestly amazing, and one day we're going to do an episode because it deserves... I know case studies obviously exist about this. I think everyone in business school these days learns about Red Bull as a case study, and so we will do a deep dive on that. But since Red Bull is the first one I'm covering, obviously they won the Constructors' Championship last year, and they not only won that, but they won the Drivers' Championship as well. And they've been doing that for the past few years, have kind of been dominant. And the main reason they're dominant is because of one of their drivers, Max Verstappen. And if you know anything about Formula One, there's like a couple names you might know. And I would say Max Verstappen is definitely one of them, especially in the past few years. Max Verstappen won 
the 2021, 2022, and then also 2023 Drivers' Championship. He's kind of been dominant this past season. He set a ton of records, you know, all the things really had a historic season on a lot of different levels. Max Verstappen is Dutch. And so after every race, you hear the national anthem of the driver as well as the national anthem of their team that they represent of the winning driver. Last season, we heard a lot of the Dutch national anthem. That's kind of been a joke. And so if you see it around, people being like, all right, are we ready for this Dutch national anthem again? Hearing it every single week. Because I think at this point, we have it memorized. We know their national anthem. And Max Verstappen, the three-time world champion, is only 26 years old. And F1, I would say the age range right now ranges from like 22 to 40. And so actually I feel like a bigger spread than some sports. Like any sport, we have to remind ourselves with these pro athletes that what they are accomplishing by you know, 28 is not normal. We should not compare ourselves to them. And when we hear them talking about how, you know, 30 is old, we have to remind ourselves that this is different. This is not a normal life that these people live. Max dates Kelly Pickett, who her family is a big F1 family. She actually dated a different F1 driver before dating Max, and Max actually took that F1 driver's seat in F1, which is just an extra little piece of some drama. And Kelly Pickett is, of course, like all of the wags of Formula One stunning. I don't know if she's actually a model or just looks like a model and you will see Kelly Pickett a decent amount she'll be if Max is winning the race at the end at the podium they'll kind of always show her on camera and so you'll see her a decent amount as you've probably been able to pick up on Max is just one of the main characters of Formula One he has a very typical Dutch humor and just very directness to how he communicates his dad was also a race car driver and very strict from stories that we have heard from Max. And they're just very direct and maybe could come off a little bit rude, but you kind of get used to that is how Max is. And if you watch the Netflix series, you kind of get to see that a little bit more. He is kind of who people are comparing themselves to. And so when other teams are saying, oh, we want to be as fast as Max, he is kind of the gold standard in the sport right now and has been the past few years. And so as you can imagine, it is probably not easy being Max Verstappen's teammate. And right now, the guy who has been doing it the past couple of years, who will be doing it this season, is Sergio Perez. And his nickname is Checo. And so most of the time, you'll probably hear me refer to him as Checo. And that's kind of what I feel like most people refer to him when you're hearing like commentating and stuff like that. So Sergio Perez goes by Checo. And Checo is currently the only Mexican driver on the grid. And so when there's the race in Mexico, it is just all about Checo. And so he has a really big following, obviously, in Mexico. And really is just like the golden boy for that country. 
And you'll kind of see that that's how Max is obviously with the Netherlands. And so Checo is really that for Mexico. Checo is, I would say, one of the older drivers. He has kids and a lot of people say, you know, when will he retire? He had had a really good start to the season last year and actually ended up being number two in the driver's standings for last year. He definitely started on a high and then kind of declined. And I think it's obviously really hard being Max Verstappen's teammate because Max is doing so well. And in theory, you should be competing up there with him because you're both in that Red Bull car that has just been so strong. There has been and there was last year a lot of talk about will Checo get replaced because if he's not performing that well should that seat go to somebody else because in theory somebody should be doing just as good or at least close to how Max is driving if they're in comparable cars with one another. And so that would be something I would look out for this season. If Checo's underperforming again, it could happen mid-season or somewhere they swap him out for a different driver. Okay, so now you might be wondering who is the team principal, the head coach, if you will, for Red Bull. And so this is an interesting question to answer right now, but let me go ahead and answer it and then I'll tell you why it is an interesting thing to answer right now. But the team principal for Red Bull is Christian Horner. He has been there since the early 2000s, making him the team principal who has been in their position the longest out of the 10 teams. He is British, he is snarky, he is witty, also kind of a main character if you watch the Netflix series just because of how entertaining he is. And he likes to be entertaining. Like he likes to put in jokes where he can. He is also married to Jerry Hallowell who, if you know, you know, she is Ginger Spice. And so his wife is a Spice Girl. And you will see her a decent amount. You'll recognize her. She's kind of always there at races. And again, if they're celebrating with the podium, she is there a decent amount. And so he's married to Spice Girl. And so they are definitely like British royalty at this point. He's not a knight, but he has some sort of tea title. I mean, she is iconic. And so in the racing world, I feel like in British culture, they are royalty. And so the reason this is so interesting to answer right now who the team principal is, is because right now there is an investigation going into Christian Horner, and this should be wrapping up any day now. And the only thing we've officially gotten is that he is under investigation for inappropriate conduct, which mean a lot of different things. And so we really don't know. I always say F1 has so much fake news. I mean, there are always rumors going around. Who knows what's ever real until it comes out. And there has been a lot of rumors over, you know, what is this inappropriate conduct? He can be kind of, I would say, aggressive of a leader we have seen from him, but we don't know if that has anything to do with it. We don't know if there's anything that has more to do with his personal life at this point. Any rumor that you could think of, I feel like has been out there. And so they've been doing this investigation process. He's been having interviews for like 10 hours at a time. And we really want this resolved. And they've said they really want this resolved by the first race. Because 
He has been basically business as normal while this is going on. And like I said, he is the team principal who has been there the longest. He really made this Red Bull program what it is today. They're kind of just waiting to see what will happen. And before the first race, we'll have an answer if he is the team principal or if he is being replaced, if he's stepping down. We just don't know at this point, and I'm hoping we have an answer to that. If not the day this drops, if not today, if not in the next 48 hours or so. I don't know what he's actually under investigation for. No one knows. We just have to wait and see. And so it's kind of hard to know like what you're rooting for if you want him to stay or not because we just don't know what these true allegations are. It's kind of this like overshadow to entering this 24th season is just what's going on with Christian Horner. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now let's move on to who finished second in the Constructors' Championship last year. And that is Mercedes. And just to give you some perspective about how dominant Red Bull was last year, they finished last season with 860 points. Number two, second place, finished with 409 points. And so that just kind of gives you some context to how dominant they were last year. They won every single race except for one. There's no way we're going to have a season like that again. If we do, you know, you can tell me I was wrong. Really felt like a once in a lifetime situation. But with that, let's go ahead and talk about Mercedes. And so since we ended with Christian Horner, I'm going to actually start with the team principal for Mercedes, Toto Wolf. And Christian and Toto are kind of like rivals in F1. In the Netflix series, they kind of build them up like that. Everyone thinks they're secretly best friends because they're pretty similar. Toto Wolf is Austrian. He's a billionaire. He is a very rich man, and he actually owns a third of the Mercedes F1 team. And Toto's actually the principal who has been there the second longest since 2013. And then actually after these two principles, everybody else I think has been fairly new. Since like 2022, all the other principles have been new to their role. And so that's something important to note that these two are kind of the OGs right now. Total Wolf, similar to Christian, very smart, very witty, kind of blunt and direct, which makes them communicating with each other so entertaining to watch. He is a tall person. And so in F1, most of the drivers are pretty petite, slimmer builds, not super tall. Toto kind of towers. He also has a super deep voice that just has a very commanding presence about him. And he is married to Susie Wolf. 
And personally, I love Susie Wolf. She is the director of the F1 Academy, which is a league underneath F1 that is for girls. And so it's a female only racing program, which is really developing females in racing. She herself was a racing driver. She was a very good racing driver. And so another iconic duo of Toto and Susie Wolf. And this Mercedes team, prior to the past few years, they were the dominant team. They and Toto really built this team up again, and they were really the team to beat. And so before Red Bull, they were the dominant team that everybody was kind of comparing themselves to. They were the gold standard. And actually, the 2021 season, when Max won his first championship, it was an insanely, insanely tight race between him and the number one driver at Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton. And so it's really been, that was kind of like the pinnacle, I feel like, of this shift from Lewis to Max as like their eras are shifting. And so obviously I just mentioned Lewis Hamilton. He is, I've talked about him before, but he is the goat of Formula One. He is the second oldest driver on the grid. He is British. He has been with Mercedes for like a decade now. He is a seven-time world champion. And so he has a record for the most championships in Formula One. And an interesting thing going into the season is that this is his last season with Mercedes. And so it was already announced that the 2025 season, he will be going over to Ferrari. And so it'll be interesting to see how things change. Toto and Lewis have had this really strong relationship for a decade now, and we're kind of going to see things shift with them. The other driver for Mercedes is George Russell. He's a younger driver. He is really now the future of Mercedes. George is also British, and so both drivers, British for Mercedes, he is a character. He is, people say, the most memeable driver in F1. He is just a walking meme. The Mercedes team is sponsored by Tommy Hilfiger, and I always say that is the greatest thing that has ever happened to George Russell. I have a whole reel about it because he is just like iconic. Tommy Hilfiger-esque character. Now on to the number three team that finished last year and very close to Mercedes, only three points away, is Ferrari. And when you think of F1, you think of Ferrari. They are the most iconic team. They just have this legacy. All the drivers always say how when they dreamed of being an F1 driver, They imagine themselves in that iconic red Ferrari car. And so Ferrari has that on their side. Basically, any driver would want to be a Ferrari driver. And in the past, they have had dominance. But in the past few years, they haven't. Obviously, we know that Mercedes and Red Bull has had dominance. But they've still been competitive and have been very hopeful that they're going to be back on top pretty soon. But with that, I feel like they've had just like weird bad luck and almost like this curse around them. We saw that last season a lot with both of their drivers and it's just kind of eerie honestly. 
the weird bad luck things that happen to this team. And so their two drivers are Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Both of these drivers come from racing families. Carlos Sainz's dad is actually actively still a racer, not a Formula One, but in a different motorsport. And Charles is really the future of Ferrari. This is the only team he's raced for other than like lower Ferrari teams. And so he is really like their golden boy. And like I said, Lewis Hamilton's going to Ferrari next year and he's going to be taking Carlos Sainz's spot. And Carlos Sainz was actually the only driver last year other than the two Red Bull drivers that won a race. Carlos Sainz is from Spain. He also just has a really good sense of humor about him. His kind of like coined phrase is smooth operator. He's just like a very smooth driver. He's a really strong defender, a really talented driver. Both him and Charles are super talented, super exciting to watch. I really like both of them. And it'll be interesting to see now that they know that Carlos is leaving next year, just how much more they favor Charles. The team principal for Ferrari, Fred, has been in the sport a long time. You could tell he really wants to bring Ferrari back up to the iconicness it's known for and it's definitely this weight that anybody who is in his position is going to have. The team that finished in fourth last year was McLaren and they have two younger drivers Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Last season they had a really rough start to the season and then ended up ending in fourth place and really had this I feel like rags to riches moment with this team. And with McLaren, they're one of the teams where their team principal actually has a more, I would say, like behind the scenes role. But the CEO of McLaren, Zach Brown, is definitely more of the face of the McLaren brand. And he's actually American. And so he is the only American principal or you know, face of a team that we have. Some people love Zach Brown. Some people can't stand Zach Brown. He definitely has a confidence that people don't like about him, but he is entertaining. The two drivers, Landon Norris is British, and then Oscar Piastri is Australian. Oscar was a rookie last season, and so obviously one of the newer drivers, but had a very strong season. Both of them are just really talented. Lando Norris has never won an actual race, and so that's kind of the thing people are rooting for this year is to see Lando win his first race in Formula One. And Oscar won a sprint last year, but hasn't won an actual race, obviously. Both of them, I think, could definitely win this year. People are wondering if Oscar will win before Lando because they're pretty competitive with one another. And they both have kind of these like goofy, endearing personalities that people want to root for McLaren. They're kind of this underdog. They've had success before. That's where a lot of, I feel like, big drivers have raced at McLaren. Lewis Hamilton's raced there. Daniel Ricciardo's raced there. Carlos Sainz raced there. And so they've definitely kind of been on the up and up. The McLaren fan base, they have a decent following. They call their fans 
like papaya, papaya family because of the orange color of McLaren. And so you'll see a decent amount of McLaren gear. I feel like they're kind of like an up and coming team. And again, people just love both of their drivers. And now fifth in the points last year was Aston Martin. And when it comes to Aston Martin, you think of the Stroll family. Lawrence Stroll is a part owner of Aston Martin, the actual car company, and then is owner of Aston Martin, the racing team. And his son, Lance Stroll, is one of the drivers for Aston Martin. And I've also talked about this before. Lance Stroll doesn't make himself the most likable person in the world. There's already some animosity towards him since he basically has his race seat because his dad owns the team that he races for. And he isn't the nicest person in the world. He's kind of been caught being rude and pushing trainers and just kind of being a snob. And so because of that, a lot of people don't love Lance Stroll. And he's not a terrible driver by any means. He stays competitive. He's not like at the bottom or anything, but people don't love Lance Stroll. His teammate is Fernando Alonso, who is the oldest driver on the grid. And he has won multiple world championships. He is a very talented driver. He's also very witty, very like playful, but also a little like risky, very like an old school driver. He is so fun to watch. He, you can tell, is just so much more experienced than a lot of the younger drivers. And Aston Martin is really a team, kind of similar to McLaren, that they're building something. I would say McLaren's more in rebuild mode, whereas Aston Martin is truly building something. And Lawrence Stroll is motivated. He wants to win a championship and he wants his son to win a championship. And they had a strong year last year. They started off super hot and that really surprised everyone and then struggled a little bit. But still overall, I would say definitely had an improvement of a year. They're they're definitely a team to watch and again Fernando Alonso is just so so fun to watch. And fun in interviews. He's just like having the time of his life. He doesn't have to be in the sport anymore if he didn't genuinely love it and you can tell that he is just still having fun out there. Number 6 on the rankings for last year, we have Alpine. And Alpine's an interesting team in that a lot of celebrities are investors and part owners of Alpine. And so notable ones are Ryan Reynolds. You'll see him a decent amount. And then Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. The two drivers for Alpine are both French. They are Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. These two Frenchmen hate each other. And so that is an interesting part of following the Alpine team. They are a team that, number six, haven't had a very strong car last year, but both of the drivers are talented and definitely frustrated with how poorly the car has been for them. And also frustrated with each other and just like not balancing over who 
should be the main guy on that team. And I've kind of hinted at this, I feel like, in this episode, but in racing, whether they're working as a team or not is kind of this challenge the teams are always facing because there might be opportunities where they can help one another or Maybe somebody is doing better or is in a better position to have points and so they need points in this race and maybe somebody, you know, takes a back seat so that the other person can secure what they're going after and things like that. And at the end of the day, most drivers don't want to compromise. They are thinking of themselves. I mean, they're athletes at the highest points in their careers and so It's very difficult to like tell somebody to be a team player and sometimes drivers will be willing to do it and other times they don't want to do it or they'll put up a fight. And so with the two drivers for Alpine, in interviews afterwards, they will kind of blame each other for things. Last year during the season, they got rid of their team principal and so they now have Bruno as their team principal who finished off last season. He's a little bit more behind the scenes too. An interesting team to watch, especially with, you know, you get those Ryan Reynolds, Travis Kelsey sightings with them. Have a star-studded ownership team. You'll see the drivers in, you know, Kansas City Chiefs gear, or you'll see them with like Ant-Man merch. And so they kind of play into it as F1 has become more of a prominent sport in America, they're kind of capitalizing on it, which as they should. Next on the list is Williams. And in F1, there are a few teams that essentially are B teams for an A team. Williams is an example of this. Williams is a B team for Mercedes. They share a lot of people back and forth. The team principal now of Williams, James, was at Mercedes before. And so the Williams drivers are the first people we're going to look at as who could potentially be replacing Lewis Hamilton on the Mercedes team. It's kind of like a development team, JV team for the varsity team. This is a controversial part of Formula One, whether or not teams should be able to have these B teams that are kind of more like testers for the A teams. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have these teams that aren't going to be competing at as high as a level as the A team is. It's just not. They're not going to sacrifice the A team for the B team ever. A lot of people don't like this in the sport. People say that this shouldn't be a thing. The two drivers for Williams are Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. Alex Albon is a Thai and British driver, and Logan Sargent is the only American driver. Williams is definitely a younger team. Alex Albon was previously at Red Bull, and so he's been in like higher pressure situations before. He's kind of the leader of that team. Especially James is a newer team principal, like I said. I personally love James. If you're going to follow an F1 account, follow the Williams one because James is really great at explaining things to just an average viewer. Logan, obviously, we root for as our only American. He did not have a good season last year. It was his first season. And Alex just has so much potential. He is a really strong driver. And so I foresee him getting moved up at some point, possibly soon. 
Also, Alex Albon's girlfriend is a pro golfer, and they are just, like, such a cute couple. And so you'll see her around the F1 paddock scene a lot. Next on the list was AlphaTauri, and AlphaTauri is the B team to Red Bull. They changed their name this year. This is not the first time in recent history they have changed their name, and it's not super clear what the name actually is. Technically, the new name of this team is Visa Cash App RB. In some places, you've just seen RB which is obviously confusing because they're owned by Red Bull. And RB's not a complete name. We've also seen Racing Bulls, which personally I like. That has a nice ring to it. Obviously has the nod to also being owned by Red Bull. We've seen it in a few different places. Technically, it's Visa Cash App RB as the name of this team. And so hopefully at least by the races upcoming week, we will have a better idea of what the heck we are supposed to call this team. The two drivers for this team are Japanese driver Yuki Tsunoda and Australian driver Daniel Ricciardo. Yuki is known to be a hothead in the car. He calls this about himself. He has like funny communication back and forth with the team. Super competitive, super talented, and fun to watch. Daniel Ricciardo is one of the older drivers on the grid, has a lot of experience, has kind of jumped around. He started last season without a spot on a team. And then the other driver who was on this team, Nick DeVries, didn't have a good season. And so Daniel had previously been with Red Bull, jumped around, didn't have a seat, already had that relationship with Red Bull. And so that's kind of how he got the seed on their B team. If Red Bull is looking for a replacement for Checo at some point, Daniel's probably going to be one of the first calls to get moved up. If permanently, temporarily, we don't know. Daniel Ricardo, people say, is an honorary American. He loves football. He loves the Bills. He's friends with Josh Allen. He just has like a super likable demeanor. He's kind of the main character for the beginning of the Netflix series just because he's a goofball and so entertaining. These are two drivers that are honestly too talented for the car they're going to be given, and so both fighting to be on better teams. Coming in ninth last year, we had Alfa Romeo, and this is also a team that went under a name change. Now, Alfa Romeo is not the main sponsor of this team anymore, and similarly, the name of this team doesn't roll off the tongue. They are now called Stake F1 Team Kick Sauber. Like I said, doesn't roll off the tongue. I think we're mainly going to be calling them Kick or Sauber. We gotta wait and see. The two drivers for this team is the only Chinese driver on the grid, Zhou Guanyu, and Finnish driver, Valtteri Botas. Zhou is a talented younger driver on the grid. He's super fashionable. He doesn't always show it. Sometimes he might just be more in team merch, but honestly, super fashionable. Valtteri is a goofball. He leaned into 
what his last name is and made a calendar that is every month is just a different picture of his butt. And so that's kind of how he is. He was previously Lewis Hamilton's teammate at Mercedes and so was a big part of that time in Lewis's career. And now is obviously on a lower tier team, but still just such a super talented driver. He's really into like bike racing and tough mutters, things like that. And like I said, just kind of a goofball. And then last in the rankings last year was the Haas team. They now have a new principal as well. As they finished last last year, obviously did not have a strong season. They have two of the more experienced drivers on the grid, but just don't have a competitive car. Haas is the only team that is part-based in America. One of the drivers is German driver Nico Hulkenberg. Like I said, an older driver. He is 36. And he actually has the current record for driver who has been in the most races but has never won a race in Formula One. Which obviously, everyone's hoping at some point he wins a race in Formula One. Unfortunately, it seems like still on Team Haas, probably not happening this season. And then their second driver is Danish driver Kevin Magnussen. A lot of people call him K-Mag. Both of these drivers are young dads, some of the more mature drivers on the grid. I think another example of two drivers that are more talented than the car they are being given, but are also at this point that maybe they won't get a chance with a higher tier team, at least not a team that's probably one of the top teams, just because they are older. And a lot of times those higher tier teams are kind of looking for their next young, new Max Verstappen. It's got to be frustrating being at the team that's coming in last. And so that is my not so quick overview of the main characters of F1. But That was everybody. I covered all 20 drivers. Obviously, I could never do that with any of the major four sports leagues. That is an approachableness of F1. Those are all the drivers. Those are all the athletes that you need to know. It would take me so long just to cover every single person on the Kansas City Chiefs. And so that's a pro for F1. When it comes to race weeks and weekends, a quick overview of kind of the flow of those. And so typically they have practice. And so they call them free practice and they have a few of these. So free practice one, free practice two, free practice three. And this is really where the teams are at the track and they get to do laps around the track, kind of see how their car reacts to the track. And so, like I said, we have 24 races this year. Every single race is at a different location. And so a different track or city circuit. So some are on traditional racetracks and then some are going through the cities. And these races are all over the world. And so they are traveling a lot. And that is something that F1 is trying to be more mindful of is that not having them be so terrible to the environment, trying to be a little better and do races that are in similar geographic locations closer together. 
Our first race is in Bahrain. There are three races in America this year, and so we have one in Miami, one in Austin, Texas, and one in Las Vegas. Okay, back to the flow of the weekend. And so we have the free practices, and then we have qualifying. And so qualifying determines where you will line up for the race on Sunday. Most races are on Sunday, but there are a few that are actually on Saturday. But most are on Sunday, so I'm kind of going to use that as how I refer to it. And so typically you have qualifying on Saturday to determine where you end up for the race on Sunday. For qualifying, you are not directly racing anybody. You are just trying to get your fastest lap time. So one lap around the track or the circuit. And then whoever has the fastest is in what they call pull position. And so you get to line up at the very front. And so the lineup for the grid on the race day is basically two columns of 10 rows. And so you have one and two next to each other, three and four, etc. And so obviously starting at the front has its advantage. And so you want to qualify well so you can be at the front and you don't have to pass as many people or anyone. And then you have the big event on race day on Sunday. Different races are different lengths or different amounts of laps. Some might be 50 laps, some might be 70 laps. F1 is just so fun to watch. The more you know, the more you have an appreciation for it. Like I always say, if you want to get into something, pick somebody to follow. Pick somebody to root for. I really think there are so many likable drivers on the grid. I honestly think you could root for anyone. I know I covered a lot here and this episode might have felt a little bit more informative than entertaining, but also wanted to have this episode as the Formula One 101. And so if you need anything to refer back to, you have this kind of as your guide. I'm so excited to cover F1 here and there this season as we have exciting moments. As always, thank you so, so much for following along and listening to Sideline Edit. If you have any questions about F1 at all, message me, ask me them. Feel free to use me as a resource and let me know if you have any questions. I would love to answer them. All right, have the best week and happy race week. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.